Awesome, guys. Well, welcome again to One Tribe's uh, fifth birthday celebration. Um, it's also our second week in our vision series. And last week, we had a great time together um, celebrating Every Tribe Sunday. And in many ways, being a church that is from every tribe and for every tribe is a great summary of our vision. But Mbenisi unpacked that even further last week. And if you were listening carefully to him, he said that we're actually going to learn two sentences over two weeks. Okay, so last week we did our first sentence. We can put it up on the screen. And, and hopefully, but, but maybe somewhat bizarrely, we actually put this sentence uh, to the Macarena. Okay, if you, those of you who are here, it was a strange but exciting moment in church. And so what we're going to do is we're going um, to put that into practice because if you're like me, you maybe found yourself during the week actually humming this in, in the shower, in the supermarket line when you're stuck in traffic, it's like, no, 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 no. So we're going we're gonna to release all that bottled Macarena energy just one more time. And because it's the Malabas last Sunday with us, Tash and Bernice, you're going to come center stage, yeah? Because um, we know you guys have got the moves. Tash, you can't deny. Please come up. Come up. You're not on sabbatical yet, guys. So Bernice um, and Tash stand at the front here, and we're going to have no backing music. I'm just, we're all going to hum together, then we're going to start doing it. Okay. So you ready? Everyone, you can stand because this is participatory. Okay. On the count of three, we're going to start humming. No, 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 Multiplying, gospel-centered, spirit-empowered, missional, churches. So Nairobi and beyond. Hey, again, we need to practice. Multiplying, spirit-empowered, missional, churches. In Nairobi and beyond. Hey, Macarena. Hey, multiplying, gospel-centered, spirit-empowered, missional churches. In Nairobi and beyond. Hey, Macarena. Yes, give yourselves a hand, guys. Ah, fantastic. And, and, and that was a really helpful way for me to remember it and, and get it into my mind. And, but I hope that you, you've got the sense, if you've been at One Tribe for a while, that while we are trying to get better at communicating this vision, this has actually always been our vision. This is the vision that's been on our hearts since we launched the church back in 2017. It's been the vision that's been on our hearts for the last five years, and we believe that it'll be the vision on our hearts for the next five, the next 10, the next 15, the next 20 years. And we're grateful that Jesus, who's promised to build his church, we believe that by his grace, He's already been laying foundations towards this vision over the past five years. And last year, as a part of that process, the, the area, the brick that we felt we need to focus on as a church in building these foundations was, was having a look at unreached people groups. Unreached people groups are people groups in the world that, that don't have enough of a gospel-centered community yet established that can multiply their own churches. And, and in Kenya, there are 31 of these unreached people groups, which represent over 5 million people. And, and we knew that if God is going to grow us to be a multiplying New Testament church in Nairobi and beyond, we're going to have to take the gospel to these unreached people groups. We're going to have to be a part of that. So our strategy was to pray and to learn and to grow. And as we look back on last year, I just want to remind you some of what God did as part of that next step that we took towards this vision. 
of multiplying gospel-spented, spirit-empowered missional churches in Nairobi and beyond. So first we prayed. So our staff got together some of these awesome prayer cards, and we've actually got some of those that are, are left over. So if you want to grab some of those on your way out, uh, please do. But these prayer cards were on some of the, the unreached people groups in Kenya that we committed to praying to. We got together in, in prayer meetings. We got together in life groups on Sundays and as individuals. And we started to pray that the Father would give us his heart for the nations. The next thing we did is we, we learned. Okay, so we did a series during the year called the Coexist Series. And this was a series where we looked at some of the other major religions in the world that these unreached people groups may hold to. We did some, some training moments on, on, on Sundays. And towards the end of the year, we did an evangelistic training to help us give us some tools to know how to share our faith across some of these, these cultural barriers. And then lastly, at Go, we, we dipped our toes into mission. We sent out a team from one tribe to Lamu County. And we also sent a team to Uganda to strengthen and encourage a young group of churches there. And I, I know when you look at the big story of God and the big mission of God and his plans to gather a people from every tribe and nation and tongue, these steps may just feel like, like baby steps uh, along the way. But I want to encourage you as a church that we really believe that God is growing us in mission. And as we look ahead, after we've looked back, we want to commend to you today as a broader leadership team for the next two years, another brick that we want to put in place as we take a step closer to this enduring vision of multiplying gospel-centered, spirit-empowered missional churches in Nairobi and beyond. So you can think about our vision, the sentence we danced to last week, as kind of like being the, the top of a mountain that we're climbing. It's like this aspiration we have in the future. This is what we want to be and become. And as we're walking up that mountain together, sometimes we see the peak like sticking out over the clouds. And sometimes we feel like, wow, it's really inspiring. But man, uh, we're a really long way off. But like Paul says, forgetting what is behind, we press on to what is ahead. And like Emma shared in that awesome prophetic word this morning, we celebrate what God's done in the past where we ask him, God, give us your vision for where you want to take us as a church in the future. And as we look at that mountain peak, we, we don't just think we need to get there, but we look around and we say, well, what's the next ridge we need to get to if we're going to get to the top of that mountain? And that's what it's like when we share the short-term vision for the next year or the next two years. It's like saying, well, this is the next step we need to take if one day we're going to reach the top of that mountain. So the second sentence in this two-week vision series is a charge for us as a church in 2022 and 2023 to invest and invite in the neighborhoods and nations. And today, um, four of us of the six elders in this church, we're going to give you a brief overview of what that looks like. But actually, over the next three Sundays and the next four life groups, we're going to unpack this further. And you may think, hey, it's going to be hard to beat the Macarena from last week. But we were praying as we speak this morning, as we gather in life groups, and as we meet on Sundays, that God would do something in our hearts. He would stir our hearts with a vision for the next two years. And that he would build faith in us of what God could be doing in us and through us as a church. Let me pray for us. God, we just want to thank you this morning uh, that you're with us, that you're speaking. Lord, we, we just want to confess this morning that we need your eyes and we want your vision. 
God, forgive us for when we've got distracted by lesser things and lesser dreams. God, forgive us for when our focus has been on the wrong stuff. And we want to ask this morning, give us your glasses, your spectacles to see clearly what it is you're calling us to individually and as a church. God, your, your word says, unless a trumpet sounds a clear call, who can get ready for battle? Father, I pray by your spirit this morning, you would sound a clear prophetic call in our midst and that you would help us to respond and get ready to follow. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Great, guys. Let's open up the Bible. We're going to just read a few verses this morning from Acts 18, verses 24 to 28. And it kicks off like this. It says, Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the Scriptures, and he had been instructed in the way of the Lord. He spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he only knew of the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him into their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. When Apollos went on to Achaia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. And when he arrived, he was a great help. To, the, to, to those who by grace had believed, for he vigorously refuted the Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. And today, as we unpack this vision of investing and inviting in the neighborhoods and the nations, we want to draw some parallels with the lives of this amazing couple, Priscilla and Equipo. They are great examples of what it means to invest and invite in the neighborhoods and the nations. This was a couple who was on mission together. They knew how not to waste their lives, not to, to waste their lives pursuing lesser things, but to put a kingdom vision front and center of their lives. They met Paul in, in Corinth during his, his second missionary journey. And like Paul, they, they were in the marketplace. They ran a family business of, of making tents. And Paul actually lived with them while, they were, while he was in Corinth. And our story in Acts 18 today actually takes place in Ephesus, and they had gone there with Paul after being in Corinth. Later in Paul's letters to the churches, he mentions them multiple times. He says they, they risked their lives for him. And he shares news of how a church in Rome was meeting in their home. So let's have a look at this couple. And as we do it, we're going to break down this vision briefly. And we're going to point out a few parallels and what we can learn from their lives along the way. And we're going to start with invest. So Paul stayed in Corinth for about a year and a half. During that time, he lived with Priscilla and Aquila, and, and, and we can assume that he invested wholeheartedly in their faith. And now we see that Priscilla and Aquila, having been invested in, they are determined to invest in others. They're determined in the community, they invest in the communities and the cities in which they live. And in this passage, in Acts 18, we see that they invest in unbelievers that God puts in front of them. Apollos was a very religious man. Maybe like many Nairobians that you know. But he did not really understand the gospel of Jesus. Maybe like many Nairobians that you know. But Priscilla and, and Aquila, they moved towards Apollos when they heard him speak. They didn't just shake their heads at his lack of understanding of the gospel. They didn't just retreat to their, their holy huddle of, of disciples and complain about this flawed teaching. No, they, they approached him with humility and with love, and with care. They, they invited him into their homes, and they invested in him relationally. 
So friends, here's our first ask of every one triber in 2022 and 2023. We are asking you to invest intentionally in the unbelievers that God has placed in your sphere of influence. We're asking you to show God to show you just a handful of, of people that he wants you to invest relationally with who don't yet know Jesus. And, and once you've got one or, or two or five people, we're, we're simply asking you to love them. These may be fellow colleagues. These may be uh, uh, fellow students at university. They may, may be old student friends. It, it could be someone that you keep on bumping into at the gym or at the hairdresser. Or it could be your hairdresser. They might be Muslim. They might be atheist. Or like Apollos, they might be very religious people who don't yet have a personal relationship with Christ. But we're just asking you to love them. Jesus said that the greatest commandment is to love God and to love people, to love God and love your neighbors as yourself. So we're asking you to make space in your lives, in your calendars, around your dinner table, and find ways to impact these individuals with the love of Christ. Just be great friends to them. That's all we're asking. Do life with them. Do some of your hobbies with them. Help meet their practical needs as they come up. And definitely, please, pray for them. Pray for them. And my friends, let me, let me just be clear to say that even if you never see these individuals decide to follow Jesus, we're asking you to keep on loving and investing in them. And, and the first reason why that's important is that the salvation moment, as significant as it is, is not the only moment in which God is working in people's lives. And you see, God, God may use you just to help people move a step closer to finding faith in Christ. So God, God may use you to be a, 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 the only friend of an atheist in the workplace that he calls a friend or she calls a friend. The only person, the only Christian that they call a friend and actually admire and respect. And, and that's significant because that can help to remove one of the barriers to someone eventually finding faith in Jesus. The second reason why it's important is that God's, Jesus' command for us to love our neighbors and, our, and as we love ourselves is not conditional on whether they make a choice to follow Jesus. And actually, God said that, that, that he would bless his people so that they could be a blessing to the people around them. We see in scripture, God saying things like, seek the good of the cities that you live in. Seek the good of the people uh, around you. This is, this is how we put the gospel into action so that people can see it and experience it even before they believe. But make no mistake, the best way we can love our neighbor, the best way we can invest and love our city and the people who live in it is to point them to our Savior. And Kogi's going to come up now and he's going to explain to you just a really simple way that we're asking you to do that over the next two years. Over to you, Kogi. Thank you, Sean. Good morning. It was nice to go through the Macarena. It reminds me of many years ago. <laughs> Conventional wisdom dictates that when you invest in something, you don't do like what the guy who got one talent did. He invested it and went and hid it 
and then came back and gave excuses to his master. Conventional wisdom, as we see in the Bible, talks to us about how the kingdom of God has been portrayed. We see so many scriptures from Isaiah. There's a call for invitation. Come, let us reason together. Come, I'll make you fishers of men. Come, follow me. The kingdom of God is about invitation. And any one of you would remember what the greatest king of all time, David in Psalm 122 verse 1 says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Why? Why did he have to mention this? And of course he continues to talk about the impact of the house of God. That's where people came and met and had an experience with God. When we meet together in the house of God, great things happen. That's why we look forward. We look forward to meet one another on Sunday. We see the six days ahead. And like, I want to go back. And, and maybe just to pause and ask, how many of us here are coming to one tribe because someone invited you? I'd like you to raise your hand. Someone invited you to one tribe. Wow, close to 70, 80%. Someone invited you, someone called you and says, come, let us go. I want you to see what is God, God is doing in Nairobi and in this place. It's always refreshing when we, you know, we like we overemphasize about visitors. No, we want you to come. We want you to come and join us. We want you to be part of what God is doing in Nairobi. Because we have experienced, we have tested. We've tested, we've seen what God can do and we want others to experience the same. And even as Sean was saying that we need to model this through our friendships, our relationships, through our families, our friends, our co-workers, and our neighbors. You know, when we see the kingdom of God, we're told that a man invested in a banquet. So he cooked, he decorated the place, he had sitting capacity. And he invited people, he sent letters, they refused to come. <laughs> what does the Bible say? He said, go pick anyone, anyone you care to see. Bring them in for this banquet. And, and that's what we see is going to, the gospel is all about. That God has invested in the ultimate sacrifice of his son. And he's asking which one of us to do the same. We are always faced with opportunities. We've been talking about technology a few, a, few, a few months back. And technology has placed the power of communication, the power of, of, of invitation on our hands. You can place it on, a, on your Facebook page. You can place it on your WhatsApp status. What you feel, what you think, what are your opinions about COVID and everything else? You're free to do that. Why not leverage this for the kingdom of God? You know, as a church in Nairobi, we've always said that our ultimate desire is to make Jesus famous in this city. And we've tried that. I mean, if you've been tracking with us, we started a few years ago, we had a series called Unconvinced. And we told the, the atheists in the city, come, let us talk about this stuff. And they chickened out, they didn't come. <laughs> but we didn't stop at that. We continued to uh, interrogate these things and, and interrogate the gospel and what it means for us in this cosmopolitan city. 
And we continue to do this, to invest in this, and to invite people so that they can come. And even as Sean was alluding to the fact that we did the, uh, the Coexist series, we interrogated other faiths to see where, where are we different with them? Where can we draw parallels? Where can we integrate? Let us not squander any opportunity to invite others. Because we can always make excuses like the guy who got one talent. Oh, I'm not in that social class, or I'm not intellectual enough. Or he belongs to a different economic class. He's a hustler and I'm a, and I'm a dynasty. We can always give excuses. But I would like us to think about the questions that, that you want to place there before you. Even as you know, Simba and, and, and Calvin come and unpack this further. That we must be sensitive to what God is saying. So you're investing in relationships. What is God saying about that relationship? Can you, can you, can you, are you going to squander the opportunity to invite them to what God is doing in your life and in the people around you, even at one tribe? And how deeply are you leaning to the relationships that God has set before you? And this could be your family members, this could be your co-workers, your neighbors. Some of us have never even invited our neighbors to church. I am glad I invited my neighbor. And he came and continued serving in this church. Maybe that's the least I have done. I need to continue doing a lot more. But even much more, what is our attitude? What is our attitude? Are we, do we have the attitude of addition into the kingdom of God? Are we close with that attitude that we continue to, to invite people, to bring them in? Let me the, be the one, the only one who goes around the city talking about what God is doing at one tribe. And I'll leave it at that, and I'll leave you to think about those questions. I'll leave you to, what am I doing? What role am I playing? In, 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 uh, in moving this gospel of invitation as we see it throughout scripture. And you can do it because you need courage. You can, anybody of anyone that you come across needs this invitation. And so I'll invite Simba to tell us how we can do this in our neighborhoods and beyond. Yeah, thanks, uh, Kogi. I'll talk about the neighborhoods. So when you look at the story of uh, Priscilla and Aquila in Acts 18, we can see that they, their lives revolved around several cities. So I think initially they lived in Rome, and that was during the era of uh, the Emperor Claudius. Then for some reason, Emperor Claudius issued a decree that all the Jews need to be expelled from Rome. So they left Rome and went on to Corinth, and that's where we understand they met with uh, Paul, and they're able to, you know, learn a lot from Paul as a spiritual father. Paul was able to convince them then to move to Ephesus. And that's where they went next. And then they decided, you know, let's go back to Rome. And they went back to Rome. And uh, at some point when they were back in Rome, there was a huge fire that destroyed a large part of Rome, including where they lived. And, uh, you know, their home was gutted down and they had nothing left. So they traveled back to Ephesus to put up with... Uh, one of their friends, uh, like we would do here. So uh, what can we learn from Priscilla and Aquila in terms of their influence as they lived in those neighborhoods? So I'll start by uh, just talking about the business. So we see in Acts 18 from verses 1 to 3 uh, that Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And there he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, 
who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius, like I said, had ordered all the Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them and because he was a tent maker as they were, he stayed and worked with them. So we see that uh, not only was Paul a tent maker, but so was uh, Priscilla and Aquila. And because they were believers and they're also tent makers, so they had like-minded uh, business acumen, uh, Paul decided to live with them. So I guess the question for us is, uh, what kind of businesses are we involved in? And how are we able to influence uh, the world for Christ based on our professions or our business? The second aspect I'd like to touch on is the home church. So in 1 Corinthians 16, 19, uh, we see that the churches in the province of Asia, uh, this, this was now Paul uh, talking about the church of Corinth. And he was telling them, the churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord. And so does the church that meets at their house. So in each of the cities that Aquila and Priscilla lived in, uh, they were able to set up home churches. So they invited people uh, to live in their homes. And the, the, what we see from this is that if, if you're able to open up your home uh, for people to come and either have Bible study or have a home church or just, you know, pray or even for something like a newcomer's lunch, uh, that's part of what we are called to do, I think, as Christians. It's part of how we uh, open up our home and express our faith. Uh, the third aspect is uh, discipleship, and uh, Sean had touched on this from uh, Acts 18, 24 to 26. Uh, we see that Priscilla and Aquila were able to uh, sort of hear Apollos uh, sharing God's word. And I think they, they listened to him and he seemed to have a passion for what he was saying. Uh, but at the same time, he didn't seem to understand the full extent uh, of the gospel. So what did they do? They didn't castigate him in public, uh, but instead what they did is they took him aside, invited him to their home, prepared him a meal, and explained to him what it means to know Christ. So Christ's life, uh, his death, the resurrection of Christ, and about God's indwelling spirit. So I'll uh, just quickly touch on three areas of application. So for us as one tribe, what can we practically do? Uh, and what can we learn from the lives of Priscilla and Aquila? So I think one is that the, the Christian home still remains to be one of the best tools uh, for spreading the gospel. Uh, like I said earlier, we've seen that Priscilla and Aquila opened up uh, their home and invited many people. So whether they were in Rome or Corinth or Ephesus, uh, they opened up their homes and they're able to invite people to come and either worship uh, you know, explain to them the word of God. And I think the encouragement for us as, as one tribe is to also open up our homes, you know. In as much as God has blessed us with our homes, uh, for our families and our friends, uh, we need to also open up our homes for, you know, other people, strangers to come in and learn about the word of God. Uh, we, we also see that uh, the other area we can look into is the common neighborhood spaces. And these are areas like uh, local schools, clubhouses, or coffee shops. Uh, I'm sure in, in the neighborhoods we live, we either have a clubhouse, or there are people like frequenting either Java or Art Cafe. Uh, those are good areas where you can go and just have a look at your emails, open up your laptop, 
And you never know who God brings you away. Yeah? So let's not just sort of uh, stick to our houses, but try and go out to places where we can meet people and share God's word. Uh, so third is prayer. And we know that prayer is powerful. And uh, one of the things we can do in our neighborhoods is what we call prayer walks, uh, which is simply getting into groups of uh, five, six, or seven, uh, walking in the neighborhood, uh, praying about the various aspects of a neighborhood, be it security, or there's a family that has someone who's sick. And, uh, you know, the prayer of a righteous person availeth much. So let's, let's be encouraged to walk, walk, do prayer walks in our neighborhoods. Um, yeah, and, and God is able to answer our prayers. So in uh, summary, our, neighbor, our neighborhoods are part of God's design, uh, plan, and purpose for our lives. He has intentionally placed us in neighborhoods to be uh, his witnesses. May we have faith to see Nairobi and its neighborhoods uh, impacted for Christ. I'll now invite Kelvin to talk about the nations. Kelvin. Great. Thanks a lot, Simba. And uh, good morning from me as well. And uh, I'm just uh, very grateful this morning uh, as we celebrate our, our fifth anniversary, um, our fifth birthday. It's just uh, so encouraging to, to look back at the last five years, to see all that God has done, his faithfulness. Now, as Sean said in the interview, it started out with just three couples um, in a room um, with a vision, um, and, and God has done all of this from that, and it's because of his faithfulness, uh, because he's building uh, us as a church, and so that's, that's very exciting, but I'm also, yeah, just super excited about the future, about what God is saying to us as a people, uh, and what he's got for us in the future, and, uh, and God, has been, God has been speaking, and um, we, are, we are looking forward to, to see what God is going to do, and uh, the, what we're laying before you is that what God has for us is to multiply gospel-centered, spirit-empowered missional churches in Nairobi and beyond. And, and I think in, in, this, in this next phase, as we look ahead to the next two years, what we're trying to emphasize is a lot about the multiplying aspect of it, that God wants us to look outward, to see growth, um, to, be, to be missional, and, and to, to multiply what, the good that he's established amongst us in terms of our, our spirit-filled community, uh, in terms of our gospel focus. And so we're asking you to invest in the city, to invest in the neighborhoods where you are, to uh, be intentional about reaching out to those in your spheres of influence, to be inviting them into your home, to be pointing them towards Jesus. And what, what we're saying is that actually a very simple and easy way to point people towards Jesus, to expose them to the gospel, is just to invite them to church on a Sunday. It's not a difficult thing to do, um, just to extend an invitation. And as people come here, good things happen. God will meet with them. And, uh, and we want to see multiplication happen as we do that. And so if every one of us, if every one tribe were to be regularly inviting our friends and family to church on a Sunday, we can see this thing explode. We can see other congregations established within Nairobi. We can see more life groups multiply. We can see leaders raised up. We can see uh, more people serving. And so that's really what, we, what we're going for. But what we're also saying, uh, and that's what I want to speak about this morning, is that it's too small a thing just to focus on Nairobi. It's too small a thing just to focus on our, on, on our neighborhoods because God is a massive God and he's called us to a very big mission that extends beyond Nairobi and beyond Kenya to the ends of the earth. And so, you know, Jesus in the Great Commission, he said, therefore go and make disciples 
of all nations. And uh, at a similar time, just before he uh, <clears throat> was, um, was taken up to heaven when he was with his disciples, um, he said the following, and we've, we've quoted this a lot, but uh, I think it's worth repeating. Acts chapter 1, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so that's what one tribe we are called to, to take this gospel to the ends of the earth. And that has always been God's plan. If we go all the way back to the book of Genesis, when God made uh, his covenant promise to Abraham, he said, I will make you the father of all nations. And now God wasn't just talking about Abraham's physical children, the, uh, the nation of Israel, but uh, because he was talking about all nations, he was, he was saying that actually all those who believe in Jesus, who are followers of Jesus, will become children of Abraham. And, and Paul makes that very clear in Romans chapter 4 when he's, when he's writing to um, the Roman church. And he says that if we, if we have faith in Jesus, if we believe in him, whether we circumcise or uncircumcised, then we are children of Abraham. He's the father of us all. And so that promise to Abraham is still being outworked. God, he's still being made the father of all nations through Jesus. And uh, we know how the story is going to end in the book of Revelation, that there'll be a great multitude that no one can count that will be before the throne. And that will be people represented from every single nation. And not only from every nation, but from every tribe and people group within that nation. And so that is what God's eternal plan is. That is what he's been doing from the beginning, what he will accomplish in the end. And, and in 2022, as one tribe, that is what we are called to. And so uh, I want to just draw a few um, lessons from the life of Priscilla and Aquila, because they were great examples to us of this, of living out the Great Commission um, and taking it to the nations. Because as we've seen, they were willing to leave Rome and go to Corinth and then to Ephesus to uproot their lives, to move cities in order to help plant and establish churches there together with Paul. And um, they are really, I think, a, a, a great example to us because they were just ordinary people. I think we, we, we want to highlight them because they, they, these weren't high-profile, upfront leaders. They were just ordinary um, members of the church who were involved in business, but also were giving their lives um, on behalf of, of building the church. And um, they, went to, they went to Ephesus, I mean, they went to Corinth, then they went to Ephesus, then we were back in Rome. And in this period when they were back in Rome, Paul, in writing to the church in Rome, um, mentions them. He says the following, Greek Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus, they risked their lives for me, not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. And so this is a, just a fantastic couple that, that lived out this calling to take the gospel to the nations. And um, they faithfully lived out the Great Commission, and they, they did it consistently over their lives. So this was a couple who in, invested and invited not only where they were, but they were willing to go and do it in the nations as well. And the, there's just an amazing amount of fruit that resulted in, in, from their faithfulness to God. You know, it's so much so that Paul can say this amazing statement that all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. So, you know, what a legacy, what, what a life well lived. And uh, so I want to you know, take that and send, say now to us, you know, what is the application for us? In each of these sections, we're saying, what is God calling one tribers to do in the next two years? What are we asking you guys to do? And uh, as we talk about the nations, it's, it's, it's very simply two things. You can either go or you can send. And uh, there's a, a passage in the Apostle John's uh, third letter, uh, which is a very short letter. He writes it to Gaius, 
Um, and it sums it up, he sums it up very well in that letter, the application for us. He says, you will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers with the truth. So firstly, we can go for the sake of his name, like Priscilla and Aquila did, like we as a family will do later this year as we move to Cairo, as others of you will do as God calls. And I want to encourage us as a people to be open to this, to be open to, to God speaking to us about going, because as we've been learning about in the last year, there are so many unreached people groups, people groups where there is no gospel expression at all. And how will they hear? How will they know if people do not go? And so I, I want to say that this is not someone else's responsibility. It's not like some other church, some other mission organization that's their responsibility to do it. This is, this is on us. This is, this is God's calling on one tribe as a church. And so we need to be open to God speaking to us. And, and I just want to say that the key requirement here is not that you are super gifted. You do not have to feel like you have that you, you know, you just have to be available. And I think Priscilla and Aquila are just the, the most fantastic examples for us in this, and that they were ordinary members of church, but they were available to go. And so God used them and the fruit he multiplied. And so I just want, yeah, I just want us to be open to the Holy Spirit speaking to us. Even this morning, you know, we need to be like, like Isaiah who said, here am I, Lord, send me. And, um, Going to nations also doesn't have to be a long-term move. You know, you can also go on short-term missions, as, uh, as some of you did last year, as we sent teams to Lamu and to Uganda, which just were um, fantastic opportunities, and God really used them. And uh, there'll be more opportunities like that in the coming year. As a church, we're, we're really involved in serving other advanced family of churches in East Africa. So in, in Tanzania and Uganda, there's also the possibility of a new church plant in the DRC, and you can get involved in serving these churches through the teams that we will send in the coming year. And if you don't go, uh, and that's definitely not a secondary calling, you can send in a manner worthy of the Lord. And John says that when we do this, we are fellow workers in the truth. And so I just want to ask, you know, how can we be fellow workers in the truth in sending well? And I think the main things here are, are prayer and giving. So we obviously need to be praying, as we have in the last year, for unreached people groups, for God to be establishing churches, to be saving people. We need to be praying for those amongst us that are going out um, on mission to those with a short-term or long-term. We also need to be giving, and uh, that is something that we are committed to as a church. Um, you may recall that as in our gift day last year, 50% of that was allocated to missions um, to unreached people groups. And every month, 66%, two-thirds um, of what we give away as a church goes to translocal ministry, which means churches in, in, in other regions. And so we are committed to this as a church. And actually, this morning, we have a, a great example because we are, are sending out the Malabas. And um, the reason that we're doing that, as Cephas has said, is because of mission, is because we realize that this is a, is a lifelong commitment to a marathon running for Jesus. And uh, in the midst of that, it's good to have moments of, of rest, moments of Sabbath, because we want our leaders to be finishing strong, to be at, hitting, hitting the tape at the end, full of energy, full of vigor, running just as hard as they were in their youth for Jesus. And so that, in God's wisdom, requires moments of rest. And so we are sending them out 
because of the mission. And uh, we want to send them out in a manner worthy of the Lord. And so as a church, we are financially supporting them in a significant way to make it possible, to make sure that finances aren't a concern for them in this year. And uh, there are significant relocation expenses in moving to the UK. And uh, while we are supporting them as a church, there's still some that aren't fully covered yet. And so uh, if you feel like you want to contribute to that, please will you come and speak to me. We want to send these guys out in a manner worthy of the Lord. And so we are called to, to either go um, or to send. And uh, that's because God, as I've been saying, has called one tribe as a missional church to reach not only Nairobi, and its neighborhoods, and that is that is super important. But in 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 God's sovereignty, that's too small a thing. And uh, so He's called us beyond. He's called us to the ends of the earth. He's called us to to go and to reach those that don't have the gospel. And so, I want to end this morning with encouraging us to to carry God's heart for the nations on our heart. And uh, just as part of that, I want to um, read to you in closing. Uh, from, um, from this book, it's called uh, Let the Nations Be Glad. Uh, it's, by, it's by John Piper. And uh, this book um, is an old book, as you can see. And uh, it actually was Belinda's book before it was mine. It's got her, her maiden name written on the, on the inside cover. And uh, I, I very clearly remember uh, starting to read this book. Um, it was probably the first book, I think, that I read when we got married. That was a long time ago. We've just we just celebrated our twentieth wedding anniversary, and um, it was uh, it was kind of like a holy moment um, as I as I read this, and uh, and God really put something in my heart, and um, and really spoke to me um, very clearly. And so I just want to uh, want to read this to you um, as we close. John Piper says. Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity, but worship abides forever. Worship, therefore, is the fuel and the goal in missions. It is the goal of missions because in missions we simply aim to bring the nations into the white-hot enjoyment of God's glory. The goal of missions is the gladness of the peoples in the greatness of God. The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many coastlands be glad. Let the peoples praise thee, O God. Let all the peoples praise thee. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the King of kings. Thank you that you are the Lord of lords. Thank you that you are the one who reigns, not only over our lives, but over the nations and over the entire universe. Thank you that you uphold it by your hand. And Lord, we just want to say we ascribe all power and glory and honor to your name. Thank you that you are redeeming a bride for yourself that will be glorious beyond comparison. Thank you that that has been in your heart from the very beginning, that Jesus, you came, you died on a cross, you bore the punishment for our sins, you were separated from the Father, and you rose again in order to redeem for yourself a bride. And Lord, thank you that you have caught us up 
that you have been so gracious to include us on your great mission. Thank you, Lord. And I pray, Lord, this morning that you would speak to us each individually about the lane that you want us to run, what you're calling us to do. Lord, as we look at investing and inviting, Lord, help us to know exactly what you want us to do, whether it's in Nairobi or beyond. Pray that you would speak to us, Lord. Thank you that you have given us your Holy Spirit. That as you said, Jesus, go to the ends of the earth. You said you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Thank you that we have your power. Thank you that you have called us, that you've commissioned us, that you've, you've given us this mandate. Thank you that we, we, we go in your name, Lord Jesus. And so, Lord God, we, we just pray that, that you would do it, that you would use us, weak as we are, that you would enable us, Lord God, to, to multiply churches that are on your heart, churches that center on the, on the wonderful truth of the gospel, churches that are filled with the power of your spirit, churches that are outward looking and on a mission. Will you do it, Lord? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Just as we close, I just want to invite Sean to come here. He's had a word which I think is really relevant to us as we look to, to respond this morning. So, Sean, over to you. Hey, well done, Phil. Yeah, guys, just wanted to share as, as we close just a, a word that was on my heart uh, last week as Mbonisi was sharing this vision. I really felt that there was a significant moment for us as a church, just kind of summing up um, much of what has been on our heart over the past five years into one sermon. I felt like God was really speaking to us, and I believe that he continues to speak to us today about where we're going. But the phrase that just was burning on my heart as he was speaking was, God can use anyone. God can use anyone. And um, the scripture that came along with that was from Judges um, chapter 6, when uh, the Lord is calling Gideon to deliver the Israelites from, from the Midianites. And I'll, I'll just read from, from verse 14. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in the might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do I not send you? And Gideon said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And then I just had the sense that God wants to encourage uh, individuals in this body uh, that God can use anybody who would make themselves available to be a part of this great story. And I think we can have so many excuses. Uh, I don't have the time. I don't have the experience. I've never studied theology. I've never done this before. Do you know what's in my past or the sin that I've struggled with? How can I qualify to be a part of this mission? I just want to encourage you that God is not looking at your qualifications or your past or your performance. He's after your heart and he's asking for your availability. And just want to encourage that, uh, encourage you all with that this morning. And I'll hand over to Cephas to close for us in prayer.